Hi and welcome to the Ross Public podcast. My name is Adrian. I'm partner at Ross Public. And uh, in our last episode, we had a really interesting viewpoint in embedded finance by a SaaS company called Moneybird. Um, so it's a Dutch um, software company that decided to integrate bank accounts and cards um, for expense management. So it's a, it's a non-bank that tries to um, um, integrate banking features. And um, in order to facilitate that, you obviously need new types of providers that can, uh, that can allow these non-banking companies to um, move into banking. So um, uh, I'm really happy that we're joined today by Di Mitra from Deutsche Bank. Um, thanks that you take the time. I'm really grateful. Um, how are you doing? Great. I'm really doing game. Looking forward to my holidays, uh, which starts tomorrow. Um, so um, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a festive season. So yeah, looking forward to a really, really closing a really good year and then looking forward to the next year. Amazing. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, thanks for joining. Maybe as a quick introduction. So um, Dee is working at Deutsche Bank. I guess the listeners uh, have heard of Deutsche Bank before, so I don't need to really go into detail there. Um, but a new role as managing director and head of banking as a service and embedded finance platforms that's placed within the corporate banking unit in, at Deutsche Bank. Your role is to own the portfolio of platforms and products in an embedded finance and banking as a service space called contextual banking. I think that's, that's a great description. We can talk about that in a minute. And um, you have direct responsibility for the product and operations team, interface to the clients for the products that you're building. And that also includes then the, the strategy, um, finance and new ventures with emerging tech. Um, how, I think we can maybe start off with that. Um, like how does your day and week look like typically in this kind of role? Um, are you more, let's say, managing and steering the portfolio of initiatives? Or are you also like really hands-on working on specific products? How, how can you imagine that uh, playing out? Um, so I think uh, it's a mix of it's a mix of everything, um, and uh, because it's such a new area for for the industry in general, um, there are areas where you might have to create new business models. Um, you have, might have to even create um, you know new businesses, new companies, um, and um, starting from all the way there to you know the to kind of defining the strategy of what exactly we are taking to market. Um, or even um, understanding what works, what doesn't work, talking to clients, as well as running an entire product um, uh, development organization, uh, as well as operations. So it's kind of end-to-end. Um, -end, and um, the best way to describe this is it's running like a small, it's running your own small startup um, in, a, in a large organization. And you have to do everything. It is, and, and it's a great experience. Um, it, it's actually very fortunate i'm very fortunate to kind of have that kind of experience and that kind of uh, exposure yeah i can imagine that was uh, actually my next question because your um, career so far has been focused a lot on large banking groups like now with deutsche bank and you just said it now in your role it's like in a in a, in a startup but uh, you know banks are obviously not known at least the large global banks for being like super agile and risk-taking and so on so it's uh, um how, how would you describe like why what moved you there and uh, what do you like about it yeah i think uh, you're right there is that perception and i've been told uh, quite a few times myself like you know why don't you go join a fintech or why don't you go join a you know, smaller company with a more focused um you know execution path uh, but for me personally i um well two things right so one I've worked across multiple different industries before. So if, um, I've worked in telecoms, I've worked, you know, as a consultant, um, I've worked in utilities. Um, so there has been that exposure. And then I always felt that um, for me personally, it was very narrow. It's one industry. 
at a time. And when I when I look at the banking industry, it's in every everybody's lives, in every industry's lives. It's kind of the central thing that um, touches all all various different aspects or all various different industries as such. And uh, understanding each industry is a must-have because if you don't understand their needs, then how are you going to provide you know something as fundamental as banking and financial services to them? So that's part of the kind of attraction for me to to be working for a financial services as an industry uh, itself. And the second reason is what you what you rightly pointed out because it's so much easier at least i think it's so much easier if i just go into a fintech um and and you know a small company and start steering that organization but imagine the challenge when you are trying to do similar things but at a massive scale um as i am doing uh, inside a bank i think it comes with its own uh, unique challenges and someone has to do it because it's um uh, what i call is like a big huge ship um, and if you don't turn um, its uh, its tides in the right direction, um, then you're going to lose out because at the end of the day, they have they enjoy the trust of the customer. Um, so we do need to transform the uh, banking industry as a whole. So I do believe in it, which is why I think uh, it is important, even though it's slower. Yeah. Um, it is important to make a difference here. Yeah. Yeah. No, I fully agree. I think. Um... The opportunity to change is, of of, of course, uh, massive uh, compared to like uh, smaller startups um, and the resources uh, and also maybe in-house experts and so on. That's that's to totally different uh, different type of game. Maybe also to point that out, which I find very interesting, Deutsche Bank has really went into a great direction over the last uh, years. So uh, I just looked at the results for last year, for example, and um, obviously the bank has a huge network. So 70 countries uh, overall, um, so it's millions of customers is well known for like investment banking and asset management, for example. Um, but in last year's results, you can really see um, really positive signs. So like the highest profit before tax uh, in the last 15 years, uh, um, 5.6 billion euros. Um, net revenues also grew 7%. Um, also cost income is down to 75 now, um, 75%. And uh, also the net profit doubled <laughs> to uh, 5.7 billion um, year over year. So, and you're placed within the corporate bank, right? So that has, I, I see like the biggest change positive in percentage of like 30% from year over year. But that's like the core business of the bank. So like, the, let's say the standard products and like what keeps the machine running. But still, as you said, uh, I think we you can see that you have that view as well, that the industry is changing and um, that banks should embrace this and actively work on it, even though maybe it's not directly contributing to results now, but should be maybe in 10 years. Um, and one of these topics is embedded finance, um, which is, uh, we can talk about this in a second, like fundamentally like different to how you serve clients before. Um, but maybe if we start with that, what, what what did you find exciting to focus on that now um, versus, for example, a more conservative uh, role in like uh, the core business? Um, uh, let's say more uh, focusing on innova innovation and this new type of business models. Definitely. I think um, uh, the most interesting thing when I first heard about the whole kind of concept, it was a few years ago now, four or five years ago. Um, I think what really attracted me was the was the ease at which customers can perceive and consume banking um, as one of these conferences uh, i think this year where i said my ambition is to make banking fun um, and and i truly believe in it it should i mean of course it's serious and you know it needs to it need it has a certain set of you know standards and regulations and but i think the customer experience part of you know when you're talking about a bank or you're thinking about something as a banking or a financial service uh, it shouldn't be associated with stress or anxiety or worry 
Um, so for me, uh, the motivation was, you know, wow, this is great. This will actually make it really, really seamless um, for customers to engage um, or work with the bank in their day-to-day um, lives. So that was quite quite fascinating. The second aspect was the innovation part um, because one, you know, in order to provide these uh, products and services um, to our customers in their context, in their life's context, um, as a bank, there is there are changes, right? So, so there is a different way of thinking. There is a different way. We're going out of our said infrastructure or boundaries to offer those products and services. So I think there was this interesting part of, you know, what does this mean? What do we have to do different? Do we have to do anything different? Or is it, it's just an evolution, a natural evolution of everything? So there was this mm-hmm. innovation part of that as well that attracted me personally to the subject. Yeah, yeah. How would you define embedded finance? Uh, maybe in contrast to how banks have operated before. Um, I would be interested just before I say anything about it uh, directly, how you see it. Uh, so, so I have a very... Um, very slightly different uh, i would not say very different but it's a slightly different approach that i i know this term is a very um hyped term at the moment in the market today but i think the demand for such services was always there it always existed um and if you look at the retail banking sector this is not anymore a fancy term this is something that is happening it's the norm especially if you think about payments or you know um sharing your data across platforms non banking platforms to be able to get value added services um you know when you call a taxi which is the best example you don't think about payment as a separate service it's part of the taxi service um so i think in the retail banking world it's pretty much there it is starting to show its um, impact on the corporate banking starting with the sme banking where the demand is kind of very high and then also in the corporate banking sector but the demand for such contextualized services as i would like to call them have always been there clients have always wanted um, to have a financial services served to them when and where they needed um, but i think the difference is the the tech and the means to make it happen is now more mainstream commoditized and therefore it is now picking up and uh, more and more companies are doing it and more and more clients are seeing it it work and therefore they're looking at other companies who are not doing it and saying well do you have something like that and that's how um, there is this exponential effect of you know embedded finance i don't go into definitions like brands or non brands that's a very it kind of limits the whole uh, factor of embedded finance but for me it is any way you are able to provide a financial service as part of a of a context of a business context i call that embedded finance yeah i fully agree so so like in our last episode from moneybird it's actually quite interesting there an accounting tool now moving into bank like offering integrated bank accounts and expense cards um, and they have already a core business which is working really well and is profitable um, in itself as a software platform for uh, smbs that want to run the accounting side of the business um, whereas, um, for example, I worked uh, at Holvi before, uh, which is a, a neobank for SMBs. So, so basically both started from different directions. Moneybird is coming from the accounting side, non-banking, um, but neobanking maybe. And, and Holvi was focused fully as a payment institution on providing only uh, first like accounts and, and cards and so on. And, and Holvi moved now more into accounting with integrated features for like invoicing, for example. Um, so, so I think that's what's interesting that like pure play banking, they understood that it's in itself very limited if you're not, if you close it only on, on, on the banking side. So it needs to open up a little bit. Whereas the other players that are not coming from banking, they see their clients have massive needs uh, around finance. And now, as you said, there are some elements together that makes this 
happen. Um, so on the one hand, like APIs, for example, uh, as you said, like in, in the retail space, um, payments, all facilitated by that. So that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and it's not just and and as you rightly pointed out, the the key factor is pure banking on its own, right? That that is that because you don't wake up in the morning and you think I need to make a payment to somebody or I need a loan. It's always in the context of your life, your business. So I think if you just think of banking and financial services as an ability to help achieve your business ambitions, then you're automatically in. You know, you you'd feel like why were there anything else apart from uh, embedded finance? And it doesn't have to be. You mentioned Moneybird and you mentioned Holby, right? Doesn't have to be an accounting software offering a financial service. It could be a financial service offering something beyond just the financial service, right? So it could be a bank offering something that solves your invoice collection process or solves your kind of accounting processes in some shape or form. So for me, the opportunities are, are really, really huge in this space for banks and traditional financial institutions as well, not just the software providers. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's 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 my view as well. That if this matures along like this, then for traditional banks, then it's really either you go into embedded finance and you open up APIs that allow this to integrate somewhere else. But then you're also fine with being in the background. Let's say, like you know, that you you let others um, to kind of run the show a little bit, and you are just um, a really credible, stable institution in the background um, that that takes care of regulation and maybe brings a balance sheet and so on, or or, or you, as you said, you you even integrate non-banking stuff into banking to keep that customer relationship. I think uh, a really really difficult choice actually to make, obviously, because it's so different to how you operated before, where you just did the banking and you had your branches, and now your banking apps, of course. So it comes with its own challenges, but you know, with challenge comes innovation. Yeah, exactly. So maybe to that point, what would you say needs to be in place in the bank to so that everyone everyone agrees? Let's let's do this. Um, so you said it's it feels like your own startup or like you're very um, let's say autonomous in that sense maybe, um, and I've I've seen um, how it cannot work in large banking institutions that try to do this within the core business, because nothing is ready for it and all the processes are not really built for embedded finance. How did you do this or how how are you doing it now? Um, let's say maybe organizational on organizational level, but also um, how you built the tech for it. Uh, how did you separate this or, or structure this? I think you're right. Uh, for me, I have a specific, um, a specific way of looking at any new innovation, especially an innovation where you are talking potentially new business models, new revenue models, new new uh, capabilities that are not already in place, and that breaks kind of what I call the paradigm shift. Um, so, but then at the same time, I don't also believe that completely cutting out an arm and creating an autonomous, um, you know, institution also helps because then you lose some of the benefits of being part of this large institution who has grown over, you know, years um, with customers' information, with customers' knowledge. Um, so somehow I think one aspect is we need to find, if you can, find a balance between the two. Um, so sitting within the large organization, if you could create a dedicated uh, autonomous unit, uh, which kind of addresses these use cases or uh, has the time to really focus on what does the customer want without disturbing the traditional um, services and the and the products because you need to keep them running while you're innovating. Um, so if you could create that autonomous unit sitting within um, the larger organization, but with a dedicated team, not a side of the desk exercise. So that's definitely one thing. Um, and then the second thing, uh, from a tech perspective, from a technology perspective, I am a firm believer that 
if you do not have a cloud strategy um then you know i would say don't even bother thinking about thinking about going beyond you know embedded finance is about partnerships it's about integration if you have a closed infrastructure then i think it's going to be that much harder as a at the fundamental um aspect of it all so i think a cloud strategy leveraging that having something like that is is very important and you build on top of it uh, you rightly pointed out some of the capabilities are not even there i would say one of those capabilities is having an infrastructure that is uh, fairly open um and it is it is not closed or bespoke um to your needs so having a cloud strategy having a dedicated team you know apis apis and more apis and the understanding of the apis so third aspect is the skill set um so you know what is an api is it is anything that you kind of expose over your api gateway an api or is there is there more to it um so i think the skill set needs to be not just in the tech organization that kind of skill set needs to be in the business organization and the product organization um so we're starting to talk more like um, you know the financial the fintechs as well as the saas companies where we're saying well actually technology is our product because that's that's the main change here and so when you have um technology as your product i'll take the example of microsoft right so microsoft has um api partnership programs or even google or any of the larger kind of big techs um the key question is when a bank is opening up its apis then maybe as an example it needs to start thinking about putting the right support model um the right customer service model around the api not just around the product i.e the, the banking product the payment etc so you need to start thinking about what is an api partner program look like what are the kind of key capabilities you need to put in place do you need a separate organization um which are mainly responsible for ensuring consumers who are integrating your apis are getting the right amount of support you're not changing your api versions without informing let's say your con- uh, your consumers all of those aspects um need to be taken into consideration as kind of core capabilities and you have these three then you can start building products and solutions and you know addressing use cases but fundamentally having the right cloud strategy the right skill set and the right kind of api partner program the api strategy or whatever you'd like to call it um together i would say um you know you you're you're on a good place how you position that in the market is obviously very different the way you describe it now it's really like a tech company that you first and foremost um come up as a tech provider uh, do you already have for your embedded finance initiatives um let's say, let's say maybe let's start with the user journeys that you have in scope um yes. do you do you think about accounts or like what kind of use cases do you look at right now and how do you bring them to market you just said like api pro- partnership programs so is it like that for the specific use case someone can come up and say hey i i might want to integrate this and then i talk to your um um partnership managers or how how can you imagine how can the listeners imagine that how it works right now yes i think um I, let's break this down so there's a number of questions in that right so um in terms of embedded finance products use cases um the the, the way the way we look at it um is you know the fundamental aspect here is to make it easy for our for our clients to do business with us so that is that is definitely the first um aspect the second thing is to be able to serve them products and solutions that they have always wanted but due to you know limited technology or limited partnerships uh, they were unable to have that so in this point i'm talking about going beyond the traditional boundaries of um let's say banking maybe solve a customers invoice processes or accounting processes you know where finance is a, is a is a key component um also kind of payroll integrations you know if you if you want to kind of have your 
banking products embedded into a client's ERP software um, or, you know, a specific invoice management software. So those use cases, but then also kind of holistic workflow automation use cases, uh, which doesn't always necessarily start with now the client is going to do a payment or now the client is kind of, you know, starting to think about, um, you know, a fin- financing need or let's say an investment need. Maybe start even further on and, and be the be true partner to our clients, but only in a digital workflow orchestration way, right? So it's not just, um, you know, talking to them, but it is also providing them solutions and partner uh, platforms that manages their entire data estate and maybe gives them a view of, you know, when they might need a service or what kind of services uh, would they be needing. So there's a there's a range of different use cases um, that we're working on. Uh, but the fundamental um, area that we're trying to solve for is uh, our clients' use cases and how to make it completely easier um, for them to work with them. The second part of your question, which was more on like, how can this work um, um, you know, from a from a, from the from the business perspective, so from somebody who's wanting to interact with with us um, as an API provider, I think definitely there is um, you know there, there there is obviously the the wider initiative about what API products are available. Uh, what we have uh, addressed is straight away, um, like tech companies do. We have sandboxes. We have um, test capabilities, right? So once the once the partner is interested in our products, of course we have API partner managers and who can who they can talk to. But beyond that, uh, the, the 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 look and feel of these products are also very important. When you interact with them, what are the responses that you're receiving? Are are they the right kind of uh, responses that you're expecting? Um, also. How easy is um, uh, are the products and services that we are able to offer on the API space? Are you able to kind of read them through, understand what what the product does? So there is a lot of time that uh, my team kind of spends on um, understanding what the customer might need when it comes to integrating APIs externally. Um, and then you know there's a support model, of course, once you have decided that you want to go through it. Um... Let's just out of curiosity, do, do you have like already live partnerships with this or um, is it still in the works? It is still in the works. We have. Uh, we definitely are talking quite a few um, to quite a few partners. Um, and, you know, very soon, you know, watch the space is what I would say. Interesting. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's an interesting point because obviously the API platform, that's 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 where tech minded consumers would then go of like any sort of company that wants to integrate Deutsche Bank's capabilities there. Do you see then, do you see demand actually in the clients you work with coming from the tech side or is it coming from the business people who need a partner to integrate these features um, or, or both? Both. Interestingly, interestingly, we see definitely both, right? So we see our clients asking for more and more integration, integrated, um, you know, offerings into their, uh, regular day-to-day scenarios um, and use cases vary from um, software as a service providers, much more established software as a service providers talking to us about uh, these products and services to maybe not uh, the as a service providers, but they are more or less coming um, because the businesses are, are requiring that kind of you know integration. So some ERP, some large ERP providers um, where they do not have a SaaS offering, but maybe you know because of their legacy, um, they have um, they have on-premise installations. Even there, we're looking at we're looking at demand from every single angle. Do, do you actually differentiate there? Um, so, like, do you have startups coming to Deutsche Bank right now and ask for this type of capability, or do you focus now more on these like 
larger corporates that need this uh, embedded finance offering? So I think that's the beauty of uh, an API partner program. That's the beauty of offering embedded finance products and services. Um, the, the key demarcation is this: these are not direct, um, you know, directly consuming the products. They are the distributors of the products. So when you have an API partner program, um, then you're really talking about um, them as a distribution channel. And without the API partner program, even previously, banks like ours have been doing this quite quite at large you know uh, joining forces with fintech fintech providers um but then the the gap i would say that existed previously which is with embedded finances and more or less i would say banking as a service not embedded finance because banking as a service is the capability the api capability which allows you to do embedded finance so i think previously where such partnerships were you know less seamless i would say so you have a break in the customer journey so the customer uses the bank and then moves into something else and then moves into their you know business context so there's still the moment you break a journey you are moving data from system a to system b to system c you are, you have a different user experience and that to me has always been the problem in terms of you know mainstream benefits of such an approach of um, such demand for contextualized services but now um, with banking as a service capability with more integrated capabilities this breaking journey is is not necessarily a requirement, which means that there is secure sharing of data between platforms through consent, of course, through clients' consent. So those are the capabilities that are making it, you know, really, really um, appealing uh, to the audience. So we see we see all types of use cases, whether it is SaaS providers, whether it is startups, whether it is actually talking about large clients coming in. The key difference is, can you create a journey without necessarily breaking the customer uh, customer user experience? Um, and that is where I think banking as a service capability shines um, in order to offer that embedded service. Yeah. Now we talked about the tech behind it and the business approach and, and the sales. And um, is there a specific aspect that you like most right now? Because it's, I think some of the challenges are kind of solved, like once you have moved or once you have a cloud uh, strategy and you have some APIs that you can already show to customers. Um, what do you like most working on embedded finance now is it really going into the user journeys or something entirely else yeah i think i enjoy i enjoy two things right so um one thing is the user journeys um and uh, it's particularly close to my heart where as, as i previously pointed out uh, you know we we obviously are very open to partnerships but we are also um very much in the in in the process of creating platforms creating solutions that uses these capabilities uses partners as well as our own capabilities to create an end-to-end -end service um you know one of the examples is is for corporate treasury um so we want to make it really easy for them to understand their kind of visibility um, um across multiple different bank accounts you know cash visibility or even forecasting um and invoice management you know starting from the whole invoice collection process all the way um, um, to collection of payments or even having a centralized payment platform, you know, you name it, there are so many different use cases that are unsolved today um, because of manual uh, processes that kind of involves either emailing your customers or moving data from system A to system B. And with embedded finance, all of these use cases are pretty much out there in the open. So that's one aspect of uh, my job that I really enjoy of understanding those use cases and how we can automate them, how we can solve them. Um, and make them, you know, really, really seamless. Um, the second thing is the commercialization and the sales um, element of it. Why this is this is interesting is again, 
you know, think, thinking of ourselves as a technology player, thinking of ourselves as a, as, a, as a business who's talking about SaaS platforms as a service platform, software as a service, banking as a service platforms, and trying to talk to customers with that as the focus needs a very different, uh, you know, commercialization, go-to-market sales approach. And I quite enjoy that uh, in two respects. One, um, what's the best way um, to kind of approach a certain problem. And each of our customers have a different use case, right? So we're talking about corporates here. We're talking about medium businesses, small businesses. Depending on the complexity, the use cases differ. So um, it's, 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 a story, uh, it's a storyboard kind of a process um, that you need to go into uh, with them and thinking like a, like a sales company. Commercialization models. I think today in the, um, in the market, embedded finance commercialization model is a standard. You know, it really depends on the use case that you're trying to solve. You could, um, you know, monetize your platform. You could monetize your APIs. You could monetize the end customer, um, you know, the value that you're creating for the end customer, um, or you could monetize all the three. It really depends on, on what problems uh, you're trying to solve. So that's quite interesting for me, the commercialization process, the sales process, approaching the market, and also convincing the clients. Uh, one interesting thing that I might point out is, especially in, a corp, uh, in the corporate banking sector, our clients have set processes that they have developed over multiple years. And you suddenly come along and say, hey, I can monitor, you know, I can really automate all of this for you, and you don't need this process or that process. That, that might sound wonderful. But you need to go into details of, you know, what kind of business case, what's the cost benefit analysis, because you're uprooting cert certain things that work. Albeit you're talking, you're talking about replacing them with better processes, but still it's a change for them. Right. So that that consultation, that uh, understanding, that's another aspect. I think for me, it's quite interesting. Yeah, I can imagine. Do you, do you still like experiment with these commercialization models in terms of API uh, monetization and so on? Is that or do you have like a view that the market will move into a certain model um, or, or is it still open? What would you say? So I think there will be definitely certain standard models that the market would eventually move into. Um, but um, there are many there are many such models, right? So depending on the product that you are uh, that you are trying to distribute, let's let's call them distribution because that's what you're trying to do, and um, and the value that that product would potentially gonna have, you couldn't you can, you could monetize just the product and the ability to distribute that product. That is definitely one model. But then there are other models where, um, you know, we're kind of jumping into challenges a little bit. But there are certain financial products and services which are not that easy to distribute because of regulations or, you know, investments as an example, um, and, and where you need to really think about those um, very good boundaries. So what are you talking about? Are you talking about monetizing maybe a piece of software there instead of, um, you know, just the API product that is kind of embedded in somewhere? So there is that aspect. So, But in, in all honesty, at a high level, I think you can monetize a platform, which is basically your kind of um, either it is API platform or it is um, software as a service platform that you've created for your customers um, or you can monetize your APIs, right? So the, the, between the two, and then you can have various different variances, whether the SaaS provider is monetizing the end customer or you are monetizing the SaaS provider, depending on some of the, um, some of the rules and establishments. And, you know, regulations also plays a, plays a factor here in terms of commercialization. I agree. Um, you just mentioned one of the challenges, uh, for example, with the corporate clients that they have established processes. And sometimes if you, you can radically automate things or uh, have very big efficiency gains, um, but that means you need to go through a change process. Um, 
go now looking into the future maybe how embedded finance will evolve um i'm sure it's still there in like for example 10 years and there will be um obviously um large banking as a service providers that then enable these use cases um what do you what do you think needs to happen to get there um is it is it for example maybe also on the demand side that large corporates um or the users of embedded finance need to um, increase their adoption in the sense that if they want to do this then they also might have to change a little bit um, so it's not just like integrating an api but also the whole process and the ecosystem around that um, and operations um, what, what do you see like as the biggest milestones kind of like to go to get there yeah i think yeah and i divide it into two parts right um so in my mind it's pretty clear that both banks and corporate clients they both have to um you know go into the next paradigm so let me explain what i really mean so if you think about corporate clients yes adoption is very key um and the adoption starts maybe with something very simple as integrated payments uh, or embedded payments and then you start looking at all of the benefits you measure the benefits and then you say well okay can i have more of this or can i move into and this is the interesting thing most corporate clients are going through digital transformations themselves right so they are they are leaving the world of on prem technologies and moving into cloud technologies they are moving the world of you know install installed softwares and moving into software as a service platforms whether it is erp providers you know um in you know you've heard of lexoffice and some of the other companies as well um so there there is quickbooks there is zero the all of these new age platforms which what, what we call software as a service platforms so the more such platforms come into existence um corporate clients who are going through digital transformation and using those platforms they are suddenly seeing okay so i can do way more than i was able to do before uh with my on prem processes or the you know kind of the more uh, older platforms or legacy platforms so then does that make sense uh, then to also bring in the banking element and the financial services element and as you know zero quickbooks etc they already offer uh, some of these uh, integrations so the more you use the more you want um and and you can see that even in open banking you know you started with very specific apis and then now you're talking about a whole new paradigm um so i think that that will happen the demand will increase over time i think the, it will increase exponentially as more and more saas players in the industry the software platforms um are starting to replace some of the older older generation software that's one aspect of it which will push the change in and then the second aspect is the banks themselves so even i mean i'm talking about the corporate banking uh, today so there's uh, i i think we need to as an industry drive towards api standardization and we need to drive towards you know every single bank in every single corner we need to start thinking about this is our main offering like like payments like banking like all of these different services this is also one of our main, main offerings i'll give you an uh, example right so co- in the retail sector banks um there are apis to which allow you to take um your accounting and transactional data from your banks and share it with other platforms all of this is very very digitized yeah we don't have that uh, in a, in such a digitized and seam- seamless format in the banking uh, in the corporate banking sector so that could be an area right so banks could start offering consent based transactional data movement between platforms and that itself enables so many different use cases to suddenly open up um so there's definitely as an industry banks need to have this as a more not a good thing because everybody else is doing but something that will take them to the next generation of banking 
Amazing. Yeah, I fully agree. I think that's also obviously a big trend on it on the on the corporate demand side. So like real time treasury and like the the forecasting and um, correct as you said having having your data in one place. Uh, so kind of um, um, and that will then take embedded finance also to the next step. Um, at least with the um, considering the banks that are watching this very closely. I think you kind of have to really, really to read the trend here and the developments in the market that the corporates are digitizing. As you said, they're also going in, into the cloud and into using more SaaS providers. Um, and then in turn, you have like the SaaS industry or like anyone that serves SMBs and corporates, they could potentially distribute banking products um, um, or, or like facilitate at least this uh, data sharing and so on. So um, yeah, that's really interesting to see that you watch this really closely and kind of read where the world is going because it's obviously right now not clear maybe but i think over the next in 10 years if you start to um, build your embedded finance offerings then it's probably too late so so starting now um, sounds like a really good idea yes um maybe if you close off um yeah like um if anyone is interested to see what they can do with deutsche bank should they go to your api marketplace or um we can also obviously put the link in the show notes um, or what would you uh, recommend? Um, so me and my team, we're all on LinkedIn. So of course, we're okay. marketplace, but also watch the space is what I would say. So yeah. we're already on LinkedIn. We're talking about treasury platforms. We're talking about um, embedded financial services. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very open. So anyone interested, you know, drop me a note um, yeah. uh, on, my, uh, on my email address or on LinkedIn. Um, and then, and then, yeah, I'm happy to connect. Awesome. I'm happy to talk about, um, you know, what we're doing in this space and how we can help everybody. We're also doing quite a few webinars, yep. and um, yeah, so stay tuned is what I would say. Um, and and you can hear from us. Yeah, amazing. And also, thanks a lot for taking the time. Um, that was really insightful to see what you're working on and how you see this embedded finance space unfolding. So um, thanks for joining. <laughs> Thank you, Adrian. Thank you so much. Because I really enjoyed the talk. <laughs>